podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sports for Dummies podcast, episode five. How mad is that? Episode five. How are it's you doing, Hope? Crazy, Luke. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, God. I'm so <laughs> excited. It's all right. See, we're buzzing to be here. It's good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just wanted to comment on the, the five episodes thing. And then and then you asked me another question. Um, yes, five episodes. Crazy times. Also, I'm well. How are you? Glad to. I'm very well. Thank you. I'm all right. You know, deflated after the football, I would say, um, for lots of reasons. But no, I'm well. I'm good. 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 Yeah, it's not been a great week. Monday was possibly the worst day ever for everyone. Absolutely. I was at work and I have never seen more people come in and just have no emotion when ordering coffees and drinks. It really was. And it was a terrible day. Did you see the man who hadn't watched the game because he fell asleep? No. Did you not see that? There was an old geezer who... um. I don't think he was a geezer, really. I don't know why I said he was a geezer. He was an old man yeah. and he he wanted to watch a game and he fell asleep. So he didn't know the score and he was heading to get the newspaper to see what it said and who'd, who'd won. And he saw a news reporter on the way and the news reporter said, do you really not know what the score is? And he went, no, I'm going, going to find out now. And he went, oh, I'm really sorry to break it to you. And he explained the game. He said, to start with, we scored in two minutes and then... Um, I was going to say Spain then Italy then kind of got it back and then they scored a goal in the second half and then it went to extra time and this guy was going oh no really I thought it might and he went yeah and then it went to penalties and he went oh and he went and and then we we lost on penalties and he went not again and then he went fiddlesticks (laughs) (laughs) well that is my reaction as well (laughs) great reaction oh fiddlesticks not again where did you watch the game Hope? I watched it with actual people this time, Lewis. Did you? How exciting. Yeah, I was home for the weekend, so I watched it with all my family. Um, we had a roast dinner and then we watched it and it was really good. And you know what? First time ever, like I've never been this invested in football in my whole life yeah. or sport in general, aka I'm the dummy of the podcast. But watching that was just I was so emotionally involved and I could understand why people love football, but I can also think I might not get too involved in football because that feeling on Monday was so depressing. I wouldn't want that every week if my team keeps losing. When Pickford scored that goal, uh, scored the goal, grabbed the goal, saved the, saved the ball. <laughs> when he saved the ball, I literally jumped off the sofa. Oh, I've never done that in my life. I literally jumped off the sofa. Like, yes, go on. And then my voice after that was, yeah, yeah I, I could barely speak. That was at that point, my voice was gone. And then obviously, unfortunately, Saka missed. And then at that point, there was no need to talk oh, because it was everyone. Just so sad. It was awful. Like, Paul Rashford, like, honestly. Oh, it was terrible. It was surprising that he missed. It was really surprising. No, I know, but I think I and again, I think there's there's lots you can say about about the penalties, but I think the one thing in particular that that can't be overlooked is the idea that Southgate did bring on Sancho and Rashford so late. They literally had no time to warm up. You know, they played for about 35 milliseconds and they're expected to take penalties in the, in the biggest final England have played in 55 years. It's like I mean that yeah, enormous. And you could tell, even when Rashford was walking up, you could tell that he looked really nervous. Um, and he sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. he hesitated, didn't he, a little bit? Yeah. And it's a, it's a real, it is a real, real shame. Real shame. Um, I will say, though, that if if Southgate had bought them on earlier, then, as and you obviously have heard this in reports and things, then the whole kind of um, 
formation would have been so wrong because yeah. they would have had too many forwards. So it's like a exactly coin so it, coin. It, there's a double edged sword, isn't it? It goes both ways. So it, it's That's a tricky then, one. Yeah, yeah. it makes way. sense, and, and I think it's. That's a very, it's a very fair argument, absolutely. But it is just, it's a bit weird as well. Why I say he took off, he brought on Henderson and took him off when Henderson is a well-known, like, can take a penalty. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that where you just think, oh, it's a shame. But also, they should all be able to take penalties, really. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I don't, it does, you know, it does make you wonder actually in training how much because you know Italians have always been known as great penalty takers. They, you know, beat us in the Euro twenty twelve, um, yeah, the Euro twenty twelve on penalties comfortably that's when Pirlo scored an amazing chip um he scored a penenka and it was like this kind of iconic goal against us but you do yeah what is a penenka a penenka so a penenka is when you basically chip the ball down so it's like a chip in football it's like a lob but you just lob it straight so you send the goalkeeper the wrong way give them the eyes you know we talked about that last week give them the eyes you give them the eyes you send the goalkeeper the wrong way and you just literally loft the ball into the net really gently so Pirlo steps up scores this Penenka and it's iconic because it's like one of the most chilled laid back goals you've ever seen in football and he won them like he that was one of the winning goals after we spoke about the eyes last week I was playing football with my nephew at the weekend he's six he loves football he's got really into it um he told me the other day he went to football club and his team scored 20 goals wow wow indeed I don't know if that was I don't know if that was true anyway (laughs) I tried to do the eyes when he was in goal the other day. Uh, and I got the goal. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he did score. But it was very confusing. The eyes confused my feet. See, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. Because you're like, look, at, yeah, it's really difficult. So you understand. This is an example, you know, with Rashford, it was clear Rashford gave the goalkeeper the eyes. You know, he sent it he, the wrong it way. Worked. It yeah. worked. It, it would have gone in. Yeah. Um, also, tact- tactfully, if we're talking about that side of the game, mm. I do think Italy, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, because you know more about football and the rules than I do, but they seem to be playing quite dirty. Yeah. There were a lot of fouls. The strangle, I don't know how on earth that wasn't sent off. And also the stomp as well, which yeah, I think that, I think the stomp was probably less obvious or maybe that was a genuine mistake. But the strangle, what the hell? No, well, the the thing is, Hope, it's it's difficult because in the Premier League, that stamp is a red card all day. That goes to VAR and that would 100% be a sending off. The The pullback is tricky because he wasn't the last man. I agree, it was a, that's a ridiculous foul and you can't commit that. Did but he that, actually got his collar? I know, it's, it's, that's ridiculous. and it, that And I think that's something where you can debate it wasn't a red purely because he wasn't the last man. So it wasn't like a goal scoring opportunity, but the, the stamp, absolutely. There is no way that is a red card all day. I mean, it's so there were, there were decisions that the referee made. There were a couple of other moments as well, where we like Sterling was fouled. A couple of players were fouled and nothing was given. And yet for them, they'd have tiny incidences and they'd get fouled straight away, which is just, there was no consistency. Um, So the referee had a bit of a stinker, unfortunately. It was quite funny. My little niece, she's four. And she went, he's a meanie. (laughs) And then that was when the strangle happened. And we were like, yes, Summer, he is a meanie. (laughs) Summer Summer was spot on. Yeah, that was, that was, especially as well, because, you know, you've got little Saka, who's not very tall. You've got this monster in Chiellini, great defender, really physical player. And he literally, you know, he literally grabbed him and sent him absolutely flying. It's just, ah. I just feel like there's, like obviously they won, congratulations, but it kind of I lost a bit of respect for how they played. Yeah, I mean, and in you know, in fairness, then that's how they've always played. You know, they now it was it thirty three games unbeaten, that'll be thirty four after beating us. It's like they play their game and it gets them the job and and they do it and it gets it done, which is a real shame. 
How do you feel about penalties? Because obviously we said last week we didn't want it to go to penalties if we could help it. Obviously it did go to penalties. I think if we had have won, we would have said, yeah, we won, we're, we're great players. Because we lost, there's been this kind of thing like, oh, well, it, it lost on penalties. So it's not a real loss. No, I mean, it's the cruelest It's the cruelest way to lose, 100%. In truth, though, over 120 minutes, Italy deserved to win. That's the, if we're being completely honest, because we, apart from that goal, which was absolutely phenomenal, and about 10 minutes and extra time to an extent, we were outplayed. You know, we were played out of the park. They were fantastic. They dominated the game. You know, for a moment, th- you know, literally we scored. And then for minute three, it was like all hands on deck, closed shop. Let's sit deep and hope that we can just pump the ball long to Kane and that it works out. And obviously it didn't because they equalised. Um, but I, no, penalties is the cruelest way to go out in a football match always. And I've experienced that's something as well that I guess it softened the blow for me a bit because Liverpool have lost many penalty shootouts. So I have experienced the pain of what it feels like. And it's it's horrible because you don't, it's, it's not deserved. It's not like you've conceded a last minute goal. It's that you've gone out because your players haven't scored or the goalkeeper's made great saves or whatever. And it's the, it's just, it, it's a different type of pain in football. Do you think had Shaw not have scored early on, we would have, it would have been a better game. We would have played better. Yes, I, I do. And that I think we got too comfortable. Yeah, I think that was, a, I think even after there were about 10 minutes where we looked like we were on it and then it, it, we just capitulated. It was like the pressure got to the boys and it was like they were just holding out for a 1-0 win, which does work. But when you're playing a team like Italy who play possession-based football, you're going to get played off the park because they that's exactly how they want you to set up. They want you to set up deep so they keep the ball and pass it around because that's exactly what they're good at, you know? So last week I came yes. into work and I said to my friend, I was like, oh, do you know what? There's some things about British culture that I don't like, but I feel so good and I feel so proud of the boys and England and I think we're going to do so well and I'm, I'm buzzing. This week I feel ashamed to be English. I feel embarrassed and that's obviously due to the behaviour that we've seen from people. Um, to begin with, let's discuss the people who broke in to to the stadium. Yeah. Maguire said that his father might have broken ribs because he was caught in like this stampede situation. Yeah. Um, and I also heard today there was footage of fans who'd paid for their tickets beating the shit out of the people who'd got in without paying. Yeah. Any views or thoughts on that, Lewis? That's disgraceful. I mean, there was one, the video that I saw in particular was that there was a video of about four or five stewards standing on this, in this, on this entrance um, and hundreds of people flooding in, you know, people pouring into the stadium. Then there were big fights between those that were in the stadium and those that weren't supposed to be in there. Um, the treatment of stewards and those that were supposed to be, especially with COVID as well, the treatment of those working in Wembley is disgusting for one. Um, I also, it does make me wonder though, why there were no police. I am very confused by that, especially on the, in the videos that you saw where hundreds of people were flooding in, you know, normally they set up, so there are loads of police and there didn't seem to be, um, not that you can blame the police in any way, I will add. That's just simply that I, it felt disappointing that the people that were being pushed around and hurt were stewards and they had no physical form of defense. Who were working? Trying exactly. To you know, it's not, be... no. And, and then you shouldn't be disrespected like that in any way. And I just think it's embarrassing because actually after such a great tournament and hosting a tournament as well, that was really positive, seeing lots of different nations come and play us and different fans get excited and stuff. It's undoubtedly the worst way to end a tournament and the most embarrassing way to end a tournament with everything that's gone on. Why did they think they would be able to get in? I don't know. Like, uh, have have a brain in your head. They're also, during the game as well, we also saw 
a man come on the pitch. Yeah. Um, which actually probably affected affected the play because what a big distraction that would have been and yeah. completely interrupted the flow. Thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, again, that's embarrassing. But that's the thing, you know, the media, you don't see it. Sometimes you get streakers or whoever or people running onto the pitch protesting. So in some games, you might see um, people coming on for, say, human rights, or you might get people coming on, say, for um, coming on against, I don't know, climate change. Some of those are actually really good. So, you know, there's examples where people have flown into stadiums on like parachutes and have held signs up saying climate change now, which actually is in terms of in the grand scheme of like breaking onto the field is actually quite good. Not good because you're still... A positive message. Yeah, exactly. It's still illegal, but actually a positive message. Whereas the way it was described as well, it was not a positive message. And you're right. It does. It interrupts the play, but it's also just, it's it's disrespect on, on those that wanted a ticket and someone has got a ticket with the sole aim of running on the pitch to streak. It's just, that's just embarrassing. Like, yeah, and also like Italy, the players were like kind of like laughing and it just, yeah, it happens so regularly. It's, it's I feel, terrible. I just feel really embarrassed that that yeah. happened. I mean, um, not as embarrassed as everything that's come since, which we'll touch on in a sec. Yeah, but it is. It's it's embarrassing. You know, I remember in the Liverpool, um, it was Liverpool Real Madrid a couple of years ago in the Champions League final, and there was a streaker, and it's just like, it's just so, it's just pathetic, and and it wastes time as well. You know, you sit there for twenty seconds, and you know straight away as soon as the camera doesn't pan that someone's on the pitch. It's really obvious because that's what they always do. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's really, really poor. Really poor. So since the game, there's been some disgusting things happening in this country. Um, yeah. Things that have always happened, which is also disgusting. Um, but obviously it's kind of in a, a new form and a new way with social media being as it is. Um, I feel ashamed. Not, not that I'm racist, but because I'm a white person, I feel like... Um, somehow associated with, with that kind of behaviour or, or something. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I want to I wanna apologise to everyone, <laughs> even though it's not me doing it. I feel like some kind of responsibility, which is in itself is not right. I messaged my friend um, who's mixed race. I messaged her on, on Monday night because I, I felt honestly really drained and exhausted and just really upset and down about it. And I thought to myself, if I'm feeling like that as a white woman, how the hell are other people in Britain who are who are mixed race or who are black, how are they feeling today? So I messaged my friend and checked in on her and she said that all morning she was crying um, and her friend was crying as well at work and then a few people at work had to have the day off because it's just racism is absolutely exhausting. Yeah, it and is. That's, so, that's heartbreaking. And even more heartbreaking, I suppose, for the people, the players who were targeted it's just absolutely dis- disgusting, disgraceful. I don't understand how anyone can have such hateful feelings for another human being. Yeah, it's it's complete lack of empathy. It's an absolute disgrace. It's a joke. It's complete ignorance as well. I yeah. mean, education, I, I always say this, education is the key to everything. Um, and unfortunately, these people have probably got children and they'll teach these their children the same same values, if you want to even call it, I don't, they're not even values, the same disgust and the same hatred, their children will then carry it on. So my only hope is that more is done in schools to educate children throughout their schooling, not just primary school, but in throughout the whole schooling to hopefully try and break that cycle and show these children that there is other opinions out there that are nicer, that are right um, and that are just. 
but absolutely. it's just yeah it's just absolutely disgusting yeah and I think exactly as Kane said you know it's that it's that thing of saying you know as England fans we don't want you and I would say that <laughs> absolutely no these people who are in a minority who are racist as well you know it's like these people are not football fans they're not sports fans they're complete losers like that you know they show no empathy they show no love and actually despite everything that's gone on the reaction in the media and the love shown towards Rashford, Saka, Sancho has been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the amount of tweets, messages on social media, even on on um, on Rashford's mural, you know, on yeah. the painting, and just seeing that. I mean, it literally, it nearly brought tears to my eyes when there was the there was the photo of the the kid who'd written "Thank you for our dinners," and it's it's messages like that when you realise that love overcomes. That even in moments like this, which are so dark and are awful, um there is always hope and there are, there's always light and that love will always overcome. And that actually as a nation, we can be unified in this, that we can stand strong against those who are racist. And, and one day we can beat all of those people who like in a, in a verbal sense, target those and actually make a stand because I've seen a lot of people too saying, actually, maybe we should ignore them. Maybe that makes difference. And it's saying, no, it doesn't. That's why we need to take the knee. That's why we need to fight back against this because the more we do it, the less people will have a voice in this, uh, in this society. So, Hope, on to Wimbledon. Oh, Lewis. Yes. Before the Euros, Yes. I watched a bit of tennis, believe it Did you? Yeah. Did Djokovic? I saw, I saw him eat some grass. Yes, he did it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did. I did. That did make me laugh. I was watching that going, what the heck is going on now? My sister was, my niece was watching it. She went, she was like, what? And yeah. my, my sister went, oh, I think he's hungry. Summer, but obviously he was doing it just as like a Wimbledon yeah. is amazing. I'm going to eat this grass. It was quite funny though. It was very, it was very unexpected, unorthodox. Just all of a sudden eating some grass. Look, fair play, fair play. Um, <laughs> but that's right. The thing is, obviously, that was kind of um, that was slightly overshadowed by um, the Euros going on. The Euros, of course, was the focal point of the day. So a lot of people missed Wimbledon. I equally caught the tail end, but I was at the pub, so I saw like about five minutes where Djokovic won, and obviously when he then ate the grass too. Um, but no, it was obviously Djokovic won, so he won his sixth grand slam title um so he's now he's equaled roger federer's and nadal's record about 20 grand slam victories which is loads grand slams i know all about them now exactly you see you're doing well so <laughs> this year he is actually now on the all three of the kind of the top seed grand slams so he won in australia he won the french open he's now on wimbledon um and he's actually on course to win a potential Grand Slam calendar year, which is four major titles in one year. So the next one begins in August. That's the US Open, um, which he'll be hoping for victory in again. So that's there's lots of pressure on him to do well again. I know all about Grand Slams now. You see, you're doing well. And did you see the women's winner? I did not tell me all about no, that. No, her name is Ashley Barty. So she, the 25-year-old, actually became the second Indigenous Australian to win the Wimbledon singles title. There you go. I thought an Australian was kicked out. It obviously wasn't her. No, it definitely wasn't her because she won. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd must been, have been a different Australian. I'd have been very surprised. Was it Nick Kyrgios? 
I do not know. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's okay. Um, no, but it actually, happens, Lewis, now that we're doing this podcast, I'll be like driving along and I'll hear a sports story and my ears will prick up, but only momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> and, then they'll, and then they'll not. <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. No, actually, it was quite an amazing story. So she actually won the Wimbledon singles title on the 50th anniversary of a woman called Yvonne Goolagong's first Wimbledon win, who was also, who was the first Indigenous Australian woman, um, woman to win the title. So she's world number one. And she beats Karolina Plisovska. What a lovely coincidence. I know. It's quite an amazing, it's an amazing story, isn't it? The great thing as well is actually that Yvonne is her mentor. So they're like best mates, which is amazing. Um, it's a really, really interesting story. Definitely worth reading into for those that are listening. It's, fa- it's fascinating. Um, and Australia have actually struggled celebrating kind of indigenous sporting success for a long time. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on on, on in the Australia um, to do with that. So my mum's an Aussie for those Aussie, Aussie listeners. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there might be some Aussie listeners. I don't know who's listening, um, but they'll know all about this. So, yeah. You actually look a little bit Aussie. Oh, thanks. I don't sound like an Aussie, though. It's a shame. <laughs> do you not? Do you go all red and peely? Yeah. Salmon is the, uh, is the title. Boy. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. Um, but no, so it was quite big for Australia because they actually, they haven't won a singles title at Wimbledon since 2002. That was in the men's, that was in the men's category. Um, but she is a phenomenal tennis player. So she's world number one since 2017. You know, she's won more titles than any other player. She's second in percentage wins behind Serena Williams. So she's a fantastic, fantastic you tennis go, player. Girl. I know she's absolutely bossing it. Um, but do yeah, no, she do you think, sorry, Lewis, to interrupt no, you. I keep doing this, don't I? I just get too excited. My tongue just wants to talk. <laughs> if Serena Williams comes back, yeah, which we hope she does, yeah, if she played this lady, who do you think would win? It's really difficult, Hope, because equally, a bit like, um, a bit like with Ashley, she actually wasn't even expecting to play at Wimbledon. So she hurt her hip at the French Open. Um, she actually, she pulled out of the French Open. She wasn't expecting to play at Wimbledon and of course did recover and then won the whole thing, which was amazing. Um, but it's, diff- it's difficult to know. It's like saying on the day, who do you think would be? I think under pressure, Serena's been in, you know, at 39, Serena's been in hundreds of situations where it's really high pressure. But equally, Ashley Barty, world number one at 25 years old. She's got, she's doing amazingly. Um, it'd be a clash of the Titans. So it's hard to say. It'd probably come down to on the day who was feeling better. Um, come down to sure. penalties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> who knows how penalties in tennis would work? <laughs> Hopefully better than football. Yeah. So, but she's, so she's, she just won, which was fantastic. And she is going on to represent Australia in the Olympics later this month in tennis. So we wish her all the best with that as well. In regards to tennis, obviously the guy has won 20 Grand Slams. What's his name Yeah, again? Djokovic. 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 Um, is tennis like a proper high earner? Because I know that there's a lot of money in golf. Yeah. So where does that, is, is tennis a kind of good career aim? Yeah, so ten- no, I'm you quite earn lots. Good at tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we can aim high. We can aim high. No, <laughs> you earn lots in tennis. So less so on the courts, but certainly off, you can earn hundreds of millions, especially with sponsorships. So sponsorships, as an all sports player, key feature. Um, but you'd be surprised how many, how many, how many things sponsor people in tennis. You know, Djokovic is sponsored by one million and one different things um, by watch companies. Who, you know, he, he, all his clothes are made by Lacoste, which I'm sure you wouldn't be complaining at if all your clothes are made by Lacoste. Um, yeah, so you, so tennis is certainly one you could aim for if you're looking for for, for a potential with earning money in sport. Hi, Anna. Lovely listeners out there, um, get in touch with us about who, if you could be sponsored by any brand, maybe you love Watsits, 
Who would you want to be sponsored for? By who would you want to be sponsored by in your life? Let us know. Sports for Dummies podcast at gmail.com. I'm intrigued Hope, about that. If we're talking about food, who are you going for? Let's say food specifically. Do you know what? I love me a baby bell. Really interesting. Mm, I if I I had I don't really buy them because I could eat them like a packet of crisps one after the other till the whole net's gone. Yeah, see, I would say I'm the same as you. I think if we were talking, in, it definitely after retirement, certainly I wouldn't mind being sponsored by Ben and Jerry's. They'd retirement? Have to be. Are you talking about you in normal life? <laughs> no, no, as a sportsman. Because obviously when you're playing sports, you can't okay. eat. You know, I can't munch. I can't be sitting at halftime munching. I how much you thought of... about this. <laughs> yeah. My nutritionist would not be happy. <laughs> he wouldn't, no. Uh, no, they wouldn't. Um, yeah, I think I'd go Ben and Jerry's. I mean, Walker's definitely, you know, crisps have to be in the conversation what too. What flavour crisp? That's a good question. Again, depends on the day. Depends on the day. Okay, so today's Wednesday. It's got to be prawn cocktail. Really? Yeah. I've had a prawn cocktail crisp in bloody years. Yeah, they're yum. What's your favourite type of crisp? Oh, can I have the pink packet, please? I like um, I like the uh, salt and vinegar. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say ready salt. I was going to go, oh, dear. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I is. also like... um. Doritos, cheesy ones. Yeah, yeah. Tangy cheese. Yum. And I love the nacho cheese dip. Oh, there are loads. Tell you what, the ni- there's some nice ones that came out, right? So there's Walkers that came out. They've called like Max Crunch or something. Absolutely unbelievable. Oh, do you remember Monster Munch? They, they're different gravy as well. And knickknacks. I wasn't, I, I thought they were okay. I preferred, if you gave me Monster Munch or a knickknack. knickknacks. Oh. What's the most overrated crisp? Overrated crisp. I've got it. Kettle chips. Really? I'd go for skips. Oh, no, I like skips. No, no, that is honestly no, like eating. They're not really crisp, are they? They're like a little it's, bit of. It's like eating crisp. sandpaper. I mean, there's no point. It's like, or no, you know, the what the twiglets. That is a joke. Ugh. And pretzels. I, uh, see, I don't mind. I don't, interesting. No. I don't like kettle crisps because I think they're too hard. No, I, I I get that. My to be fair, my granddad is my papa absolutely loves a kettle chip. To be fair, he loves it. Well, I love you, papa, but I don't like his. Taste. <laughs> I also love sour cream Pringles. Yeah, yeah, okay. How do you eat a crisp, Lewis? Important question. Do you eat it like hum, like bite the whole thing, or do you do what I do and lick off all the seasoning first, then eat it? Yeah, you're the only person talking and listening to this that does that. I'm hoping for my sake. I have never. I mean, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I you know what? dust. Um, I do that with something. No, not with. I feel like with crisps, you have to inhale. With, to be fair, with me, I'm a little bit like a Hoover. Inhale. Like, yeah. Once you open, they just go. <laughs> exactly. On the note of Ben and Jerry's, I mean, we've completely digressed here from sport, wow. but this is all a really important conversation. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's. What one would you go for? Oh, chocolate fudge brownie. Really? Yeah. I just think that I is... Like, I like fish food. Yeah, see, that's quite... that, But that's up there as well. I feel like... You see, I just think, I just think Ben & Jerry's is unbeatable. Like, Haagen-Dazs is nice. And homemade ice creams are nice as well. Oh, but yeah, but Ben & Jerry's is just different. It's just different source levels. Do you make homemade uh, ice cream? No, but people in Cornwall that I visited before do. And that was yum. There's a, there was a shop I went oh. to. In fact, there is. There's one, there's one where I live. There's a homemade ice cream shop. Oh, it's tasty. Oh, it's tasty. <laughs> Right, back to the sport. Yes. Um, turn our attention quickly just to MMA because I saw a gross image of Conor McGregor's leg. Oh, weird me. event. 
Yep. So he had a quick fight, Hope, with Dustin Poirier. Um, it was all going well for him. You know, looked quite even. There were you know, very much lots of punching as MMA is on top of each other. And Conor McGregor got up and literally snapped his foot. Um, <laughs> and it was absolutely horrible. I mean, it, you just knew. And the worst part as well was he snapped his foot and obviously then fell down. And the guy kept punching him. And only about 30 seconds later, Conor realised he actually snapped his foot. But like, I mean, he, he didn't he just snap it. He adrenaline going Yeah, on. he was absolutely... But even afterwards, you know, he, he kept saying like, you know, the moment I can fight you again, I will and I will and I will. And it's like, mate, you've just broken your foot. Like, it's all right. You, you can just take a breather. I mean, I don't know much about Conor McGregor, to be fair, or MMA as a sport. I know there's that guy, Kareeb, Kareem. Khabib. Khabib, who fought the bear, which was quite impressive. Yes. Um, but I think Conor McGregor is a bit like a yappy dog. Yeah. Like, just, he's, just, boy. Yeah, he's very, very active on social media. He's very, he's someone that, that likes to cause trouble. You know, he he likes an argument. He likes to stir, stir commotion. But then that's why he gets paid big bucks, because people want to see him fight. And he gets paid millions. But I'm sure when he recovers from said foot injury, he will fight him again um, because it's not really fair to have a fight. And actually, it doesn't end in a knockout. It ends that you actually break your foot unintentionally when you're going to punch somebody. And hope, of course, after all of the awful news and events of this week, we're going to end the week on a lighter and happier note with a man called Lachlan Morton. Great name. Great name. So he is an Aussie and he actually... Well, Is he your brother? <laughs> no, he's not my brother. I'm not related to him at all. Um, yeah, not even vaguely close. But <laughs> but I'd like to think in terms of cycling ability, we are very close. Not. Um, he actually was supposed to be riding the Tour de France this year, but he didn't in the end, so his team didn't select him. However... Oh, bless him. He thought yeah. He thought it was going to get played in the game and he didn't get chosen. Exactly. But so with his team's blessing and the Tour de France's blessing, he actually set up his own race where he rode all of the Tour de France for free. So he wasn't competing. He was basically on his own for 18 days. And he was doing this for charity. So he was riding for World Bike Relief, which donates hard-wearing bikes to communities that need them. So basically he was riding for charity. Um, he rode 18 days straight for 5,509 kilometers. He rode for 225 hours and he climbed 66,000 meters. So normally the Tour de France only ride 3,100 and sorry. Whoa. 3,114. Um, however, very interestingly, he decided to ride all of the bits with the transfers. So normally what will happen, Hope, in Tour de France, of course, this is sports for dummies, is you'll have stage one and you'll do your cycling and you get picked up and you move on to the next bit. He rode all of the stages. Really? Yeah, so this is crazy. So he rode all of the stages and all of the transfers. So effectively, he rode the entirety of the race without stopping. I reckon that was kind of a, ha-ha, you didn't pick me? Look what I can do. He has, it. I mean, <laughs> I that's fueled him. Yeah, absolutely. And he has done some like kind of really crazy strength endurance training before. He's done lots of quite extreme rides. But so far, at the time of recording as well, this is on Wednesday, at the time of recording, he has currently raised £450,000 for charity, which is absolutely sublime. Wow, um, it's incredible. And it's crazy because, you know, he had to source his own food and drink throughout the race or his own race. So he literally slept homeless for 18 days and completed one of the craziest cycling events of all time um a really really amazing achievement imagine if his bike got nicked 
I know. Well, who knows what would have happened then, but he did it. The only things I know about cycling, really, are Lance Armstrong. He's yeah. a bit of naughty, naughty. He was an. Is he still alive? I don't know. Is he yes, he is. Yeah. Well, he was a naughty boy and is, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I saw a documentary on him. And I also know about the lady at the weekend. Was it the weekend? Who had um, a sign for yeah. her family and stepped out and caused a really a dangerous massive commotion. crash, yeah. And that's the sort of thing with the Tour de France where it's not policed properly. That, that you know, literally, when you watch the clip, Hope, you've got from literally side to side, or, or effectively not rail to rail because you're on a, a road, but from one end of the road to the other is packed with cyclists. This woman steps out in front of one. And of course, because all the cyclists are next door to each other, it literally caused one of the biggest crashes ever. And it was like dominoes where they all went down. And loads of people were injured. There were big, there were severe injuries from multiple riders. And it caused complete chaos. But it goes to show actually how ignorance of people and sports fans um, can really affect those involved. Because actually her stupid decision to step out on the road caused one of the biggest crashes ever in uh, in the Tour de France. But it's a bit like, correct me if I'm wrong here, you know Wimbledon, we spoke about how, come on guys, it rains every year, you know this, like get a roof. Apparently this sign, these sign kind of accidents have happened before. So yeah. surely they should get some fences. Well, this is the thing. And you actually see it, when you watch it, Hope, you literally see people running on the road, like holding up signs next to cyclists. I've actually watched the Tour de France before. Um, I was in France one of the years when it was on about... Did you? Yeah, about 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. But you experience it. So you literally see people who either get too close with the clappers or hold signs too close to the cyclists. And people just don't have a clue. And I think lots has been done. You know, that woman was arrested and she was looking at facing a year in jail, um, which I think Did is quite... Did they find her in the end? Because I thought she ran over the hill and was never found no they did they did find her I, again i'm not sure i'm with prosecuting her um but she certainly was found but of course there was talk saying that she was going to be yeah she was going to be prosecuted for a year in jail um but thankfully nothing happened to lachlan um and that he was all okay safe and well but just what an amazing amazing incredible achievement so he actually beat the peloton so who are the main cyclists he beat the peloton to paris by five days so the people that were having rests i know so an amazing achievement and just the amount of money that he's raised is just phenomenal i think we need a song i think it's time for a song about lachlan okay you ready i'll start and you gotta join in right lachlan you are the best lachlan i bet you wear a bike vest lachlan we really like you Lachlan, you raise money for charity too. Hey, good old we Lachlan. Our songs, but that was great. <laughs> yeah, we're getting these you know, slowly, slowly but surely. You know, it's the podcast, and then it's the music industry. Well, we'll stick to our um, we'll stick to our jingle <laughs> instead, made by a professional. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Tommy. Absolute legend. And that wraps up this episode nicely. Thank you for joining us for a fifth week of Sports for Dummies. We'll be back next Friday. Get in touch, sportsfordummiespodcast at gmail.com or give us a follow, well, not or, and give us a follow on Twitter, which is Lewis. At dummies underscore sports. Yeah, please do tweet us. Let us know what you think about the episode, anything you'd like us to talk about. Again, who is your favourite sports athlete that is paid lots of money? And who would you like to be sponsored by? Hashtag, we don't like kettle chips, but if they want to sponsor us, please get in touch. Okay, Lewis, bye. Bye. <laughs>
Social Podcast Network.